0: It's Wednesday, April the 1st, and we're diving back into 2 Peter chapter one. We've been dealing with this passage of scripture that says that we ought to make every effort to supplement our faith, and then we started this list of things that we need to focus on in our sanctification. So let's read this in its context, verse number five, for this very reason. Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge, here's our passage for today, verse six, the first half. With knowledge, it says we're supposed to add self control. Now, this is an interesting thing for us to talk about self control because uh, we are so inherently bad at it as individuals, and I want to explain a little bit as to why. This passage is used, or this word rather, is used four times in the New Testament, and uh, once when Paul is preaching the gospel, and he talks about the fact that there is a problem that we have with sin, dealing with the issue of self-control, which is not clear whether he's dealing with the problem of the lack of it that leads to our judgment, uh, because then it talks about the fact that he's lecturing on the coming judgment, or whether or not he's talking about the fact that uh, as a Christian—and it may be, in fact, that he's dealing with what he deals with in the book of Galatians—and that is the idea that we are to have this in our Christian life as an evidence of the Spirit. Which is interesting, if you think about it, the fruit of the Spirit, it says in Galatians 6, is self-control. Uh, fruit of the Spirit, we might think, well, then we relax, we're passive, and this just happens to us. Well, of course, it doesn't. The word itself, self-control, gives us a sense as to what we're dealing with here in 2 Peter chapter 1. And that is that we need to make every effort to have this as a part of our Christian life. To add to our faith, self-control. Self-control. Uh, we look at some people in the Bible, like David, who is hailed as a great warrior, and people had all these parades, like the modern equivalent of a ticker-take parade, everyone's saying, well, this, there's no one greater than this warrior. And I think of the proverb in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32, that says, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and whoever rules his spirit is better than one who takes a city. So even the greatest warrior in the Bible or anywhere else, we might think of someone who has all this great power to fight a battle. Uh, The scripture says the real battle that we need to think about that's even harder than that is the battle in our own flesh, our own bodies. The difficulty we have controlling ourselves. Uh, I think about James talking about our tongue. We want to get very specific and want to feel the guilt of this problem. All we have to think about is our mouths and how hard it is for us to control our mouths and the things that we say. James says it's a restless evil full of deadly poison and uh, no one can tame it. And that's the problem. We struggle with this self-control. And yet the Bible says, make every effort to add to your faith uh, not only virtue and knowledge, but self-control. So we have to understand the effort that goes into this. Sometimes we talk about this as a synergistic reality in our sanctification. In other words, there's a monergism, if you will, to our justification that God alone, He saves us, brings us to life. But now as Christians, we're called to exercise self-control, to make every effort to see this added to our faith. When we see success, we know it wasn't our work or our doing or our effort alone, but it was God that was at work in us, both the will and to work for his good pleasure. But it does not mean we put our feet up. As a matter of fact, we can't help in this passage but to see that uh, focus on the exertion of effort to see this happen. But to understand the problem, let's think through what the Bible has to say about who we are. So if you can get there, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2, and I want you to remind yourself of what the Bible says regarding who we are. Take a look at this text, or at least listen carefully to it. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. It's speaking now of non-Christians, of course. In the past tense, we were, it says, dead in the trespasses and sins in which we once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all lived, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Here's a good reminder, and if you can think of it this way, in terms of two components Parts of who we are. I know we're uh, a, a whole, we're a, we're a psychosomatic whole, we might say. Uh, psychosuke, the Greek word for our spirit or our soul, and uh, uh, soma, the Greek word for body. We are both, we're both soul and body, spirit, immaterial part, and body. But those two things, as non Christians, are both wired to please ourselves. We carry out, as that passage says, the desires of our flesh. We do whatever we want. So think of it this way. We have a spirit that's designed to do what we want in our fallen state. We have a body that is designed to crave and do what it wants, and therefore, as a non-Christian, we go about doing what we want. Uh, It may be that we curtail certain activities, but usually for the sake of, if we look at the Scripture, in. Promoting ourselves, pleasing ourselves, gratifying ourselves, making it good for ourselves, even when we love other people. The Bible makes it very clear as non-Christians, it's all about what we can get in return. Talks about the pagans or the non-Christians, Jesus said, lending to get something back or loving or being kind to people so we can get something back. So our bodies and our minds in sync with one another, our spirit, if you will, the immaterial part and the material part all working together to make it very easy and the pattern of life to, in one way or another, please ourselves. Well, then the Bible says, if you've got that passage still open, look at verse number four. It says, but God, being rich in mercy... Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. So we, as who we are, our immaterial part, our hearts, they're now placed with Christ, seated with Christ, reconciled with Christ. And it says, for by grace you were saved. It says, through faith, not of yourself, not of your own doing, it's the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one can boast, for we are his workmanship. He's created us new. 2 Corinthians 5 says that we are a new creation in Christ. We've talked about this already in 2 Peter. And and it says, so we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So there's something about the interior of who we are being made new and now we are designed by God to in the interior of our hearts to desire to do what's right. As it says in the Old Testament promises regarding the new covenant era, which we've inaugurated at least the initial stages of, he's moving us and changing our hearts from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh to move us to do his will, to love him, to love each other, to please him. It says, and God created those works beforehand that we should walk in them. So picture it this way. Now, we have the interior of our lives post-conversion as Christians now designed to please God, to love God, to love people, to sacrificially put others before ourselves, to want to put God's agenda above our own. That's who we are interior in the interior of our lives. The problem is our bodies are unchanged. Galatians chapter 5 says that we have the desires of the flesh at work in us. I'll quote for you in verse 16 and 17, verses 16 and 17. He says, "I, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. The picture of the struggle within the Christian life is the fact that the interior, the immaterial spirit that we are the real essence of who we are, now wants to please God. It is the core desire of who we are. Problem is we're enmeshed and wrapped in a fallen flesh that will not be redeemed until Christ comes back, until we have the new creation, the glorification of our bodies. So now we're left in conflict. The desires of the flesh waging war against the soul, as Peter says elsewhere, we have this battle going on. Therefore, to please God, if that's the goal, right, to have our... Christian life reflect the glory and excellencies of God, as we've studied in our passage, that's going to be a very difficult struggle. And therein, I mean, really is the definition of Christian sanctification, a struggle. And so it is that we wait for the redemption of the body and we have this great prospect of one day being a not only a new heart and a new person in Christ, but having a new glorified body that's redesigned by God according to the original specs of what God designed for human beings. And now our flesh craves what God's will is and our hearts crave what God's will is and therefore we please God easily. So think of it this way, fallen state, I'm wired to please myself. My body's wired to please itself. Therefore, I spend my life pleasing myself. Now it says, as Christians, we are made new in Christ, and we have a desire and a heart to please God. So we are wired to please God, but our flesh is still wired and fallen to please itself. And therefore, if we're going to please God, it's going to be a difficult struggle and battle. In the new kingdom, in the the new Jerusalem, we're going to have a heart that desires to please God, a Uh, body that desires to please God, the flesh, every part of our humanity, and therefore we're going to please God easily and eternally. So our battle now, if we're going to add self-control to the Christian life, we've got to work really hard to uh, make sure that we are separating in our own thinking the core desires that are designed in my own heart to please God and say, I want to cater to those. Colossians chapter 3, we've quoted this before in our series. Verse number 9, it says, look, there's lots of things your flesh may want to do, like lying to each other, but you've got to recognize whatever those desires are, you've got to put those things off. Put off the old self with its practices, because you've put on the new self, and that new self is being renewed in the knowledge, in knowledge, we've talked about that last time, after the image of its creator. So God's created us new, and we get that bolstered and strengthened by the knowledge that we find that nourishes us in Christ, and therefore, we take that battle into the daily situations and temptations of our life, and we let those core desires, at least that's at least what it should be for us as we see more self-control in the Christian life, we see those core desires starting to impact and really displease the uh, desires and cravings of the flesh. So that is the battle then we're left with. Colossians chapter three, if you're to look back up earlier in that passage, if you've got it open, not only does it say we're to cater to our interior core desires, but above, it starts in this paragraph, verse number five, says, but we've starting with putting to death whatever is earthly in you, whatever is natural, whatever is a uh, desire that we know doesn't please God. And he lists a bunch, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, covetousness. He says, on account of those, the wrath of God is coming. And in these, you too once walked, you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. And he talks about anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk and all the rest. And he says, don't lie because those were part of your old interior life, but now you've got to put to death the deeds of the flesh. you got to make that battle your daily struggle in the Christian life and keep renewing the interior core desires of your life to please the Lord. That is the struggle, the daily struggle with self-control, and I understand in a passage like this, when the Bible says "control yourself," right? You know that that is something that you have to pray, you have to discipline yourself, you have to ask God's Spirit to have His uh, nourishing, strengthening, strengthening, bolstering work in your heart, so that you can fight that battle daily. And you shouldn't do it alone. The Bible says two are better than one, for two have a better return for their labor. I mean, if one falls, another can, uh, you know, the other can lift him up. We need the accountability, the strengthening, the kinds of things we've been talking about in our one another's in the mornings. We talk about all of our corporate and internal exhortation and the kinds of, of of pushing and prodding and stirring and provoking one another to loving good deeds we need the body of christ we need to pull together to work together to help us overcome these interior battles just know that you're not alone as first corinthians chapter 10 says no temptation all that battle you have with the flesh has overtaken you except that which is common to man uh, but god is faithful he's not gonna allow you to be tempted to beyond what you're able, but with every temptation, he's gonna provide a way of escape. And that is the challenge of the Christian life, making sure we identify that battle between who we really are and what our flesh is crying out to have us do. And we say, okay, I'm going to stop and think, what what does my heart really desire? What does God desire? And I know that's really what a regenerate heart desires. Now all this doesn't make any sense if we're just Christians on the outside only. In other words, if we're just adhering to a set of standards or norms because our church or our family members expect that of us, it's gotta be that regenerate new heart that God promises every real Christian. And that starts, as we've said in this series, with real genuine penitent faith, a repentance and faith that cries out to God for for a new life, for forgiveness, It understands and allows the Lord to be the Lord as though he needs our permission, but for us to submit and subject ourselves to his leadership, we see those changes in our hearts. We start the daily fight, and we recognize we make every effort. We make no provision for the flesh. We do whatever we can to strengthen the interior person so that we might fight this battle successfully. So supplement, make every effort to supplement uh, your faith with, uh, we started with, Virtue and then knowledge, now self-control. And tomorrow we'll deal with the next one, steadfastness. But get out there and fight the good fight of faith this week.